you know how in the pandemic we've all had like the occasional package theft or mail theft or whatever? Sure. Any package stuff? No, no one's no one's ever tried to steal from our house. But um, really, we, yeah, we did once have mail thieves when we were living in LA. Okay, sure. So evidently a rampant problem, worse than the pandemic. And so, you know, we would lose the occasional thing or like sometimes, and this, we're not the only people this has happened to. You'd come downstairs and be like, ah, all the mailboxes have been torn open. That's cute. But what's deeply enjoyable and sometimes alarming to me is how whoever runs this building is dealing with it. Because for a while we would come down and in the lobby or like right outside the front door, you'd have these hilarious snarky signs that would change every day or two that were like, trouble, go the other way. You're not wanted here. (laughs) And more recently, the situation has really escalated and we've started receiving these really long dramatic emails from what I can only assume is some retired lawyer or New York Post writer that are like, You may have seen on the local news, but there is a ring of male thieves. (laughs) And like, first of all, I have not seen on the local news. And second of all, wow. They go on to tell us that there's a local male thief ring running rampant in the city. And that most recently they have acquired a USPS master key to our building, which we later learned at a holiday party they got from holding up a carrier at gunpoint. What? Yeah, that part's not funny. Like, I was like, I guess the next time I see the mailman, I'll thank him for his service. But oh my I don't God. Think it was, I don't think it was our mailman. But Jesus. they, yeah, so they got the USPS master key. So we get this email that's basically like, well... There's nothing we can do, so just pick up your mail every day until USPS decides to change the key. And then we received an email called Mail Theft Update that began, Hello, residents, blah, blah, The thief with the USPS key is determined, brazen, and clever, which will give you a sense of the tone of the rest of this email. He has returned to our building at all hours. Blah, 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 flyers. There's like a little sign outside that's like, we see you in your same shirt. And it was like over the weekend, he tried to come eight times. We put a thing to block the keyhole because our mail carrier, like I guess has a different key and doesn't need it. And he tried to burn it out of the hole. So this man is dying to get into our building. But, like, how are people not being, like, there's a man here who's trying to, like, burn something out? Well, I don't know. Like, maybe he came he came eight different times, so I assume some were at night. But it's, like, based on his behavior, as well as something he said to so-and-so, we believe he is targeting specific vacant units and using their addresses to receive dot 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 who knows what. But, but what? Like, <laughs> cocaine? Like, what? <laughs> well... That's that's Matt's assumption. <laughs> not necessarily cocaine, but I was like, let's assume something unsavory is happening. He's not just like some sad person with no address. Also, we later learned at the holiday party that he has an accomplice who does all the like lockpicking type stuff. And I was like, is he so he's just the brains of the operation? <laughs> this is wild. Anyway, so, you know, we just keep getting these emails that are like, while so-and-so is still on the loose, we implore you to do the following. (laughs) When we had people over for Thanksgiving, we were like, so don't let the mail thief in. You'll know who he is because his picture is posted next to the door. Have they caught him? No, but they have said that like the postal inspector and the police and the whoever know who they are. And I hesitate to say this, but I doubt the mail thief will listen to our podcast. (laughs) 
that they were like kind of no, they're an avid rom com without a fan. <laughs> yes, we have five avid listeners that we know about, and the male. <laughs> He's gonna listen to this week's episode and be like, "God damn it, I've been had." <laughs> but they're hot on his trail. But at the holiday party, I think they said that. It sounded like they were waiting until the crime got big enough, because I guess it's a, well, I mean, we know it is a federal crime, so. Oh, so it's like a sting operation. Yes. Okay, so obviously the email lady is not privy to whatever the police or the FBI or God knows who is up to, (laughs) but they, I will certainly keep you posted. They seem to be waiting for him to commit. I don't know. A large enough crime they can take him in. I I don't understand what is happening. Or or maybe, you know, it's related to the who knows what that he's importing to our vacant units. Well, I don't know how we can follow that up, but this is probably going to be the most exciting part of today's episode anyway. Yes, regretfully, today's movie is quite a bit less exciting than my male theft ring. But we do have a special guest with us. So, welcome to Rom-Com-A-Thon. I'm Alex. I'm Kat. And I brought my fiancé, who has been angling for... To preface this, we have approximately five avid listeners. (laughs) One of whom is my fiancé, who sometimes texts me during the day, like, I'm listening to the Palm Springs episode, like, just for fun, I guess. Which, although it's very sweet, I deeply do not understand. And he's been waiting for his opportunity to guest on the podcast and i'm always like you can come and he's like i don't feel i've been invited i'm gonna wait until i'm invited and i guess he's tired of waiting because he has invited himself (laughs) right after we recorded our november episode i opened my text and i had a message from him with a link to a trailer that was like i'm shooting my shot so please welcome matt who you have all heard about (laughs) i've shot too early i'm gonna be completely honest (laughs) As soon as we started watching yesterday, he was like, I should have held out for music and lyrics, which I've previously said should be the one we should do with you. I am I am so happy to be here. I truly listen to the podcast all the time. And then I have the great fortune of being able to text you guys and be like, I thought the same thing about that character or whatever. But um, yeah, I got very excited. I work for WB. I am a big fan of the studio lot. I used to be a tour guide. So I'm like, romantic comedy shot on the lot. This is going to be perfect. And, and. Yeah. And he was like, and the protagonist is Asian. It'll be great yeah, for you guys. Yeah, it, 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 like yeah. all the sectors were there, you know? But um, yeah, what, what a, what a film. And I'm, I'm just so glad to be here. What a film. I gotta say, to the film's credit, I did think one thing going in. And for the first, like, maybe like 20 minutes, I was like, this is just going to be your run of the mill, whatever. And then. Truly, at the beginning, I thought it was going to be fine. I was almost enjoying myself. Yeah. And then um, as the movie progressed, (laughs) I was like, what is happening? I believe I texted you last night. Yes, um, yes. A peek behind the scenes. We're like maybe 15 minutes into the movie. I'm thinking, oh, that was kind of cute. This this one's going to be okay. And then I see in my text from Alex that like 10 minutes ago, she has texted me like... Some some very negative things. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. But she was ahead of us. I believe I said, I think this movie was written in the throes of mental illness. 
Which is a very inappropriate comment to those oh. with mental illness, which is most people after COVID. That is true. No, I don't think it's like your run-of-the-mill depression. But it does do that thing where it's like, I see that you think this is a scene from like a movie, but this actually does none of the things it's supposed to do as a scene and makes little to no sense just as, you know, human beings talking. That felt, that was like every scene. The confusing thing to me was that it had all the trappings of a normal film, but mm-hmm. someone, <laughs> so many people had to greenlight this script and um, just pay for this movie. But you'll notice WB took their name off the water tower. Did they really? Yeah, well, they, they're really good in this movie about, like, never saying the network's name, never saying the studio's name, you know? Like, it's always just like, well, the network has a new president, and the network said that we have to cut the, the film divisions. And the other two networks always do Christmas movies everywhere, and I'm just like, fucking throw out two fake names, and I'd be happy, you know? I know. Like, a Hallmark Christmas film-ish situation always requires a level of suspension of disbelief and, you know, buying into this whole situation. This movie somehow went beyond this situation. (laughs) I couldn't suspend my disbelief, and I am a person who enjoyed The Night Before Christmas. Oh, I miss The Night Before Christmas. Would watch The Night Before Christmas. Would watch the whole Hudgens-verse three times in a row before we had to watch this movie. I'm sorry. It was was somewhat of an enjoyable watch just to be like, how weird is this going to get? And then fucking Santa shows up at the end. Like there there were things to discuss, but yeah. You should describe the plot, but I will just say that the problem with this movie is that it's in that space where it's acting like a real movie, but it's not. Like, I think we've had the most success with these Christmas movies when they're either the rare, legitimately good film, single all the way, maybe the only one, or they have accepted their insanity like the night before Christmas. Do, do explain and listeners will begin to understand our confusion. So, um, Jessica Van plays a director of essentially Hallmark Christmas films, and she is filming, uh, she's on a, like, a three-film deal for a unnamed network. She loves Christmas movies, the cheesier, the better, because of childhood, whatever. Then Josh Swickard plays a network executive a new network executive who comes in to be like we are shutting down the christmas movie division of our network you have only this film to make and you must stick to budget and in fact i'm going to stick around to make sure that everything goes according to plan so they butt heads you would think that there would be a slow progression of them coming together and Josh Swickard realizing that, oh, you know what? Actually, there is a place for Christmas movies in this world after all. And Jessica Van being like, actually, you're not so bad. And, you know, et cetera, et cetera. This all happens in the first 15 minutes. <laughs> That's completely what you think is happening in the beginning of the movie. And I was prepared to watch that movie. Like the Christmas movie version of 27 Dresses with a way happier James Marsden. <laughs> yes. But yeah, so he's like one over almost immediately. Meanwhile, like Jessica Van has this like insanely peppy assistant who is like, this is just like a Christmas movie. You have to follow the formula um, to make things turn out the way it does. And yeah, so it's that. A bit like she's also too genre savvy. 
Yeah, she is like dealing with her um her two like starring actors and like their drama and like all this stuff. Part of the way through the film, uh Josh Swickard's boss shows up and is like, JK, actually, we're just gonna like cut this movie entirely. And she's like, oh my God, what are we going to do now? They're like out of money. Uh, they have to like really scramble to film like the last scene, like the pivotal scene of the film where it's supposed to be like a town-wide celebrations, but they have like no extras and it's like a whole situation. Santa turns up, uh, real Santa, um, which is not out of the realm of possibility, I guess, for these Christmas films. Um, much like on the Netflix ones. And I'm not, I'm trying not to go into too much detail because I really want to talk about each individual loot thing that happens at the end to make the town celebration <laughs> come together but essentially i think listeners can guess the outcome the overall network exec played by missy Pyle, decides that no actually there is room for christmas movies and they want to honor the rest of jessica van's deal jessica van and josh swickard get together despite her thinking for over half the film that he is married to missy Pyle. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was going to say, I think you might have skipped that, that she meets his boss, like, you know, the Grinchy lady or whatever, and then gets like a mistyped text from him, basically, that says, like, I see you've met my wife. And the assistant who calls out every single thing that happens in this movie is like, oh, a classic misunderstanding. And you're like, this is a very stupid misunderstanding that could have been cleared up at any time by discussing this with literally <laughs> any of the parties involved because they also don't behave at all like they're married. But it allows us, the viewer, for like 40 to 60 minutes to be like, why is the assistant still pushing them getting together? He's married. Make a big gesture. He's married. Everything <laughs> you're saying is weird, sir. You're married. Yes, I wanted to come back to this. Um, which is why I didn't say this, but yes, correct. Like for over half the film, you're very confused about how the structure of the film is going to shake out because you think he is married and you're like, oh, okay. I, at one point was like, is this not a romantic comedy after all? Same. That would have been an awesome pivot for this yeah, later on. Like, yeah, like I thought so towards the end like when he's basically doing his big gesture he's like i want to make christmas movies with you i fully believe in the magic of christmas and he's like will you let me be your producer and i was like is is this where it's going this is a right is this the happily ever ending of the buddy comedy <laughs> yes i was like is this what's happening then it was getting so romantic and then she was like wait what about your wife and i was like yes what about his wife <laughs> <laughs> it's weird that for like the last half hour like she's really mad initially and then for the last half hour i guess she's so worried about her movie's financial problems that she's just kind of rolling with it she's got to finish the movie she's got to get through group therapy with everybody and santa on set you know like she's got a lot to deal with she, she can't even think sorry i feel like right i now. took you off your plan did you have an, an order in which you wanted to discuss the ludicrous events well, I definitely wanted to talk about the wife misunderstanding, which was so <laughs> insane. Like, I cannot express to you the confusion I was feeling while this was happening. Uh, like, the fact is, is that 
literally like, it's it's exactly as you described she receives a text from him that is like i see you met my wife and you're like what then like he shows up again and she's like super pissed at him because she thinks he's married no one resolves this another good 40 minutes of the film passes no one discusses <laughs> this whole situation you're like oh my god he's married <laughs> and then it's not until literally like the last minutes of the film where he was like oh my god you know what jk voice to text is so unreliable i meant to say she's my work wife <laughs> and on, i gotta say i was hoping that it was gonna be like when he said voice to text i was hoping it's gonna be like worse like something like oh now you see what my life is or something but no it just it's it just skipped that one word right, not just like a dropped word which yeah. Could have worked, except for the fact that, like, did he not pull out his phone to text her ever again? Like, you can see oh, when you're you so press right. send. <laughs> but you know what? I think I have complained frequently about this on the podcast before. Or maybe just in our house with Matt. I don't know if I actually talk about the podcast. Oh, no, this is canon okay. for the podcast. As, as I frequently yeah, complain, though, in the world of movies, it often seems to be the case that once you walk away from a text thread, it vanishes forever. Like you're permanently in that Instagram disappear mode. So every time you text like your spouse or your father or your best friend, it is the first conversation you have ever had. That's true. It's just like every text message is Snapchat. Like it's just gone. Yep. Which I feel like, was that the case in this movie? I honestly forget when that moment happened. No, no. In this case, they had a text history, right? Yes. They had a, they had a couple texts before. Yeah, yeah I remember. I, think so too. I okay. remember exactly what the screen looked like during this point. <laughs> All I remember is like, th this movie does like the very cartoony thing where like, I feel like there's almost like sound effects throughout. And like when she reads that text, it's like, you know, the, the gothic choir comes in too and the camera spins around her. You know, like that's kind of the, the tone that they go with all of this, this like living cartoon thing. Yeah, no, you're you're very right. Um, okay, so we've discussed this. I also wanted to talk about the therapy scene that solved all of her problems. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> what, what did you have to say first? <laughs> well, okay, so to set up some context, um, basically the assistant is like, um, as they're trying to figure out all the stuff for the last scene to shoot, how they, they're very stressed about it, and the assistant is like, no, in order for this to work out and to follow the Christmas movie formula, you have to like confront your past and it's always rooted in your childhood traumas. Why do you want to like make Christmas movies? Why are you such a perfectionist? Jessica Van literally is forced to sit down in the middle of a set of the cupcake and, shop and there's like three people gathered around her and she has to talk about like why is she such a perfectionist which she finish figures out in like 30 seconds and then they're like great now you're past this this whole perfectionist thread is fucking bizarre like when it first comes up she's like embarrassed that her assistant called her a perfectionist in front of the leading man in front of love interest guy and she's like i'd rather you tell him that i wet the bed as a kid or whatever and i'm like the, those the two di very different levels of things here meanwhile they're talking about this perfectionism stuff while it's like we've established there are people on set like they are actively in the middle of production and it's just like how much money are you wasting like with every minute that passes here as you're talking about being a perfectionist if anyone should be a perfectionist in this moment, it, it should be her. Right. And it should be the woman that has to figure out, like, they, they talked um, earlier where, like, 
you know, her first big movie was, I, I assume she's always done like this level Hallmark movie, right? Like this is, this has just been her wheelhouse, I think. Yes. Yeah. Um, but like they've talked about her first movie, like, oh, they, we didn't know what we we're doing and we had like no money, but it came out great. And I'm like, I'm waiting for her to decide like budget cuts have to be what happens here or like, you know, like kind of get to those revelations and meet him halfway but it's it's just the implication i think is that her perfectionism is why she is so financially incompetent yeah right and is just spending to do whatever has to be done on screen right the last third of the movie was just me like that's why you're over budget well that's why you're over budget exactly well no wonder you're over budget you psychopath So, but yes, not only was that a very efficient and ill-timed therapy session, I just, the assistant was so obsessed with the formula, but it was literally like, don't mess with the formula. The protagonist shouldn't be active. And you're like, what? That also confused me. Christmas movies should be solved by magic. And I'm like, they usually do something. Yeah. No, Christmas, Christmas movies should be solved by love. Kill me. It really felt like the first half of the film and the second half of the film were like two different films. It also felt like because they're doing, they're shooting a movie as they're going, it's like watching two or three versions of the same terrible movie at yeah. the same time. Like it, it's just like, it kind of felt endless because of that. Because we spend so much time throughout it in like, in the scenes of the movie they're shooting, you know, to the point where like, I think we could all write a synopsis of the fake movie at yes. this point of Christmas, Christmas cupcakes. Which might be a better movie. No, I think so. I think it is. <laughs> 100%. Well, that one, which they're shooting in order, another reason she's over budget, um, <laughs> yes, has a very clear through line of a typical Christmas movie. Yes, you're right. You're right. Um, okay, let's move on to the next thing on my list in terms of ludicrous uh, moments. Um, so in the town scene, like the plucky uh, town square, like climax of the movie, um, they need like a whole set of extras. They need music. They need celebration. So they're trying to piece together like a ragtag musical group from like crew members who are, are yes. working on the film i don't know who's running anything at this point because it seems like everyone who has a job has now been co-opted into this film um right who the fuck is operating the camera (laughs) at this point but whatever i was glad there was a moment where they were like why is this going wrong oh because you're making that guy like play piano or something he's not doing his (laughs) job um and then missy Pyle, the uh top network exec the grinch lady shows up and um and she's like you gotta shut this movie down like you know we're like you know this is insane like blah 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 and then jessica van somehow wins her over by being like why do you hate christmas this is your core (laughs) wound this woman hates christmas because one year she was supposed to play the lead in a Christmas concert and she was ousted from this role <laughs> by another child. <laughs> they could not find a place for her. So therefore now, as a grown woman, many years later, she has a continuous ongoing vendetta against Christmas. Oh my God, you guys, the war on Christmas is real. <laughs> it's missy pile 
she had, I was like, what? So she never had a Christmas before this or after? after? (laughs) Right. That's what I'm saying where it's like all these things, like, you know where these scenes are supposed to be, but this is not what humans sound like or react like. You know, like, it is just so... The first maybe 15 minutes of this movie were written by a normal writer of these movies and then i feel like they outsource the rest to an ai <laughs> you think it's by committee <laughs> really makes you miss the christmas prince series no it really really does so um i but like let me finish so missy pile then having um dredged up this trauma <laughs> um is then she also works through this very quickly Yes. Um, Jessica Van... We're losing light, you know? Yeah. Jessica Van is then like, you know what? You were made to be the singer in this scene. This is your calling. She literally says, like, this is what you were meant for. And I'm like, this? This is what she was meant for? For, like, some, like, D-lister Hallmark film? (laughs) She, like, owns the network. Yeah, so she is like, oh my god, you're so right. So she sings in this scene, and uh, then afterwards is like, the magic of Christmas has made me realize what a Grinch I was this whole time. And I don't want to be a Grinch anymore. So now I'm going to honor your other three movies. You say the magic of Christmas like it's not real, but but St. Nicholas is feet away from her this entire time. So, you know, like, the magic of Christmas is very present in this scene. Oh, yeah. Santa's on the lot. He's making snow in L.A. Because Matt called this, by the way. At the Early on in the movie, they were like, blah, blah, blah is as rare as snow in L.A. So he's like, so later it's going to snow in L.A., huh? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that part also... I could have bought that had this film been set in LA around like December. Cause it's like, it's like kind of, it's happened like once or twice, right? It's July. Yeah, there's sure, that. climate change. It's July. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. It's 115 that. degrees in the car. How magical is Santa? If it snowed <laughs> in Los Angeles, California in July, the world is ending. <laughs> in like Burbank. It's not even like, oh, we're, in Death Valley, we're up by Tahoe. Tahoe, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do normal people, I feel like normal people don't know how hot it is in Los Angeles in July. You are on the face of the sun. It is trying to kill yes. you at yes. every moment. <laughs> it is ungodly. To the point where, like, some of the stuff that I did like in this movie were, they got, they were cute about the little production gags, I thought, sometimes. One of them was they were shooting the outdoor scene in in fucking in Stars Hollow in the town square there. And um, the minute they yell cut, you know, the big heavy coats for the actors come off and, and whatever. And everyone's in like basically either a bib of a of a turtleneck sweater or like the guy takes his suit jacket off and he's just in like, a, you know, a suit a piece of a shirt and sleeve cuffs. He looks like he's from Chippendales. Yeah, or something. he turns from Hallmark movie suit guy to like giant arm. Yeah, and I was like, guy. this type of stuff is fun and is actually kind of selling it for me. But yeah, by the end, some of, of the actor stuff was like better. Oddly, oh, a hundred percent. But you're absolutely right. By the end of the movie, because Santa apparently taken a vacation in Hollywood over the summer, um, like that is just completely abandoned. Yeah, I couldn't, that was actually one of the things I was like, I can suspend so many, like, so many things to, like, watch this movie, but this situation, that would literally have this whole group of people screaming, (laughs) 
Like, <laughs> I like, I, uh, I can get over it. Speaking of suspension of disbelief, one small dumb thing that got me was so she's like mad at him because she thinks he's married and she banishes him from the set and he disappears into the editor's trailer and then like weeks later they're like you know if you want Christopher's help he's still around he's just been hiding into the editing bay like a troll but I was just like are we to believe that the director of this film has not once (laughs) set foot in the editing bay for weeks (laughs) I'm not saying all the production stuff made sense. That is true. That's true. That was wonderful. I enjoyed the editor. I can editor. roll with we're shooting in order, but like, have him hide somewhere else. Oh my God. The editor God. who was clearly not paid to say a line. Like, he gets a lot of FaceTime, but never gets to speak, which is funny to me. Like, if she buys whatever she wants and never looks at any of the film, of course you're over budget. (laughs) Seriously. My other favorite kind of like, I don't think that's how this would work thing for production is like when they're getting ready for the town square and they're pulling in the crew or whatnot. Like, basically her first uh, AD goes to the, um, where the crews are hanging out and they're just like, anybody want to be in a movie? And I'm like, of all the people in the world, the people that most don't want to be on screen are these people, you know, (laughs) like are the people that have been dedicating their lives to being behind the camera and couldn't give a shit about being on it. Yeah. You're like 95% of these people. No, we don't want to be in a movie. Right, but it's them and the network president. This is going to be their one acting credit on their IMDb for the rest of their lives. I did find this, like, tremendously absurd. I was like, no, these fucking people don't want to be in a movie, guys. No, they'd they'd like to be out at seven. This is what they'd like, you know? Um, Matt, from your... uh, I'm so nervous. I I, I don't like being called out like that. (laughs) Yes. You're in the hot seat now, man. I've just this done is so what much wrong already <laughs> before we even started rolling. But yes. <laughs> um, what did you, did you have a, did you like enjoy it from like your sort of WB like lot stance? Every second of it. Yes. Like that, that <laughs> um, that's literally all I've podcasted about for the past six years has been a show that was shot all over this lot. And I, I like when I first moved out here, it was my first job to the point where I knew that lot better than I knew Burbank or you know Hollywood or whatever. Um, so yeah, it's just it's fun to see productions figure out interesting ways to shoot around certain you know like limitations or whatever you need to do on the lot. Um, and it's very fun in a show like this where it, like they can show the front lot, they can show like walking between the studio stages and stuff. And I'm watching going like oh, that's the Big Bang stage and right next to the Friends stage. And, like, that type of shit is endlessly fun to me. I don't know. Like, do you guys get any thrill from that, from, like, seeing this and being like, oh, they're just in Stars Hollow. That's cute. Yeah, I did enjoy that. I was like, it's cute. I like seeing Stars Hollow get reused um, because you can still, like, recognizably, like, look at things and be like, oh, that still looks like Miss Patty's. Oh, 100%. Yeah, basically the first thing that happened was the movie started and he was like, it's Taylor's. Yeah, it's Desi's Market. I think it's so cute. Did Gilmore Girls just have a monopoly on the square for like the years they shot there? Basically, yes. When they were like the way that works is when they're actively going through production, um, especially if nobody else needs it. Like technically they have to take everything down after every day of shooting. But realistically, if they know nothing's coming in and it's like Gilmore Girls, they've already done, you know, two or three years of it at this point. 
at whatever point we're talking about here, like they'll kind of let them leave stuff up. Um, but like, generally speaking, like it's as soon as you're done, you've got to take every sign down and every like door handle and stuff. Like it all has to to go away pretty quickly. But it's back right now, right? Oh, not yet. Not, not yet. Well, they, they're they're advertising for it, but yeah, they're they're doing like a whole thing this this Christmas if anyone's in the area. Um, on the lot. Oh, it'll and be up redressing. By the time this yeah, happens. yeah, yeah. Redressing it as Stars Hollow. Oh, that's so cute. Yeah, it's re- it's really it's the it's what it's most iconically known for. But like that area, like I don't know, I get I get a thrill watching that because like that was River City in the Music Man movie. That was in Cool Hand Luke. That was Dukes of Hazard. That was Smallville and Lois and Clark. You know, like there's just like it's endlessly been around. It's such a big part of Hollywood history, and now it's such a big part of of a Hollywood Christmas history. Yes, thank you. Thank you for that. I will say that I have seen not a single one of those productions that you just listed, except for Smallville. (laughs) Well, you've seen Lois and Clark, yeah, but I don't think I made you watch a Smallville episode, yeah. Yeah. I think we've talked about how Alex and I, you know, as the children of immigrants, are always like, sure, so nothing before 2000 have I seen. Yeah, that's, oh, yeah. I, I understand yeah. why Music Man didn't make it into, that said, With some I'm like, Music but... Man would have made a much more fun movie to talk about. Yeah. There's a lot to discuss. Yes. I will say, though, side side note for all listeners out there who are like, surely you know some things. I thought Fleetwood Mac was one person, not a band. <laughs> I thought it was a man named Fleetwood Mac. First name Fleetwood. For like a long time. No, until, until literally just a few months ago. What? <laughs> yes. Oh, no. I, I thought it was a man named Fleetwood Mac. I also but, like, thought I up get until... That. I also thought up until this weekend that Blondie was one person, not a band. <laughs> I also I also kind of get that, too. I, I thought it was a blonde woman. <laughs> I, about Fleetwood Mac, I might... I, I think I thought that until seconds ago about Blondie. But I think that with Fleetwood Mac, I knew the name Stevie Nicks. Mm-hmm. I but also I may... knew. Here's the thing, though, that's confusing about this. <laughs> I also knew the name Stevie Nicks. I just didn't know the two were related. <laughs> I think I knew that she was in there, but I may have thought there was also a person named Fleetwood. Or maybe Mac. she yeah, performed <laughs> with Fleetwood Mac from time Correct. to time. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. Oh, they're the headliners of that's... the band. <laughs> yeah, her and. And, and Mr. Fleetwood Mac. This is a Mac. reasonable that's inference. Right. And they were all friends um, with Mr. Aerosmith. And, you know, like, that's how, that makes sense to me. Aerosmith is local, so we did yeah. know. Oh, I did know about Aerosmith. Right. Yes. I couldn't think of someone oh, else. Oh, and because of the Lord of the Rings. Yes. So that is also all... true. That's also true. Oh. His daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure, yeah. Sure. Yes. So. Anyway. Look, look, it's not that we don't know anything. It's just spotty. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's very spotty sometimes you're like ah you have like a total you have an enormous depth of knowledge on one specific movie or thing that we happen to have seen at a formative time (laughs) and then there's like whole swaths of culture that we have totally missed sure avatar not for you guys titanic absolutely yes correct i mean just think of it we are rocks on a stream sometimes like (laughs) debris gets caught on a rock but otherwise water just goes around (laughs) Although, I'd like to comment that Avatar is debris, and the 
and Titanic is a log. <laughs> that is, that's, no one okay, has that's missed true. Titanic. Yeah, okay. that's true. No, not many people had missed Avatar too at this time. In fairness, yeah. sounded like they should have. Yeah, really did. Okay. Anyway, if only um, the Titanic yeah, go, had missed go, the debris. You know what I mean? Yeah, go see the way of water. <laughs> I guess. Um. Uh. So. Um, any other thoughts about a Hollywood Christmas? We have not talked about a the the vapid actors, which was kind of kind of a fine storyline, I thought. Um, which was like the third telling of this movie at the same time. Um, and B MVP of this movie, the dog wrangler. Oh my God, you are correct, Zoe's owner. <laughs> is is that an a, a, incredible Zoe's wrangler? Yeah. yeah. Oh, Zoe's owner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you said Zoe's owner. I'm like, what an interesting actress. Man. Um, <laughs> she, you, I, I like, I just did a look on her IMDb real quick. And like, she was in an episode of The Office for a second. Like, she's she's done episodes of everything. Brooke Dillman is her name. Um, and truly just like knew what movie she was in and had met some of those animal wrangling people. Like, they are always but like extra and animated and still somehow very like you know um, drawn in and whatnot they're just like their their own type of people are most but... of them better at their job than this lady yes one would hope. <laughs> oh god one would hope she lost that dog so many times <laughs> oh i was like respect i don't want to downplay the difficulty of of anyone's job but i was a bit you have one job you have a one job charge that, on this set yeah a job that could be leashed in between <laughs> scenes perhaps and she's quite small yeah. leashed caged whatever you need to do yeah it's not like she's chasing down a cheetah <laughs> um the vapid actor plot like that just like kind of passed me by i was like all right i can't even focus on this because like that that actually like that was like a through line that seemed to like actually make logical sense you know like it was like it was like a silly like bc plot that you're kind of like yeah okay like i can kind of see the trajectory of this the rest of the film i was like what i'm so i was so focused on the wife having situation that i could (laughs) not track the rest of the film the what? Here's the thing from a, like a <sighs> whatever pers- from an here's an actual thought on the wife thing. Like it's not that you can't do that, but something about the way they executed that misunderstanding was it was so distracting. Like you couldn't focus on anything else that was happening in the movie right. because, and it's meant to be confusing. You're meant to be like, wait, that doesn't make any sense. He just said this. Wait, that. But like that was all you could think about. <laughs> They should have resolved it, like, at least for the audience, like, way earlier. Like That would have made more sense. That's common. Yeah. If it wasn't for the characters, like, it was just, like, a bit, like, of a let us in. Like, I was so focused on this. I could not. I was like, what is happening in this movie? He's married. And you're not able, as a rom-com viewer with, you know, any morals at all, to, like invest in him after that point because you're just like well i guess yes and and then you're you're waiting for like to see that their marriage is unhappy or whatever but obviously that never gets delivered because it's just like a typo yeah this wasn't this this didn't start off being like oh he's in a fraught marriage or like this is a serious drama about cheating like this wasn't a situation where i was like i'm on board with this this was a christmas movie i was like there should be no cheating 
you're immediately like, why didn't he mention it before? Blah, 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 blah. Well, now we know why, but we've wasted like an hour wondering. Right. If only they had done the like French farce thing where like, yes, they show the audience, they let us in on it, but then they keep doubling it down for her and yep. let that like, you know, the the comedy of errors of miscommunication there just keep getting weirder and weirder. But it's truly like, it's, it's mentioned, we now know it is fact, and then it's resolved in a line at the end. Yeah, which we might enjoy in a different genre of movie. Right. Yes. Yeah. But in a rom-com, like, this took away two-thirds of the time that you could have spent enjoying their relationship. Which, again, like, once their relationship started happening, the fact that, like, they warm up to each other so quickly, seriously, 20 minutes in, I was like, there's another, there's over an hour of film left. Right. What is supposed to happen? Someone's going to have to kill one another. Like, this is weird. That would have been a great twist. Sure. At the end, Missy Santa Pyle has is to like, solve the murder. And- yeah. Missy yeah. Pyle at the end was like, people don't want to watch women in peril at Christmas. And I was like, I I mean, I, I would prefer it to this. That was a weird thing, too, where like the network, the, the, it's a network, right? Like they want to start making thriller movies. And they're just like, yeah, you know, like noir and women in peril. And I'm like, I don't, I don't I, I guess that's like a tr- an older trope of the, the genre. But I'm like, I don't know that that's something you want to build your network off of. It's just, it's just lifetime. This yeah, is especially, lifetime. oh, oh, is that what they're doing? Okay. Okay, that makes sense to me. Because I'm like, you've already got this Christmas audience. Like, how quickly oh, is your audience right, going to pivot? But you're absolutely right. I hadn't thought about that. So they're going to do, like, the babysitter's a murderer and, like, that type of thing. Maybe. Who knows? I mean, okay. I, I thought that originally when we started the film that the network, the Mysterious Network, was HBO Max. Since HBO Max paid for this movie, inexplicably. Which, again, like, if you don't want us to think that... Make a fake fucking name. Like, yeah, give me true. something. TBO Max. Yeah, something. Anyway. Anyway, Shout so. out to the dog walk. <laughs> so, what were everybody's um favorite lines and scenes? Worst lines and scenes? Because of my friend, the dog walker, uh, the best line for me was... Um, they're trying to like calm her down after the dog has run away for the 18th time. Like, don't worry, don't worry. Nobody's going to let a dog dress like an elf off a studio lot. And like that, that, that is something we all know when you move to LA, that is like instantly imprinted <laughs> in your mind of like, look both ways, don't jaywalk and never let a dog dress like an elf off a studio lot. I was just thinking of like during, at that part that line specifically, I was just thinking about the Paramount lot, which is like so like in the middle of the city and <laughs> just thinking about this little chihuahua like trotting out in an elf outfit. And I was and then like, it beca- yeah, and then it becomes yeah, Beverly Hills Chihuahua. The dog from Legally Blonde. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they go and have a crossover adventure. It's great. Yeah, they take the city together. Yeah. Um, how about your worst, Matt? I, 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 I don't have a worst line. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. I don't have a worst either. I think... We were all fixated on the worst that was the film. Yeah. <laughs> what about your the favorite? Cat. I had the same best line. Um, my best scene might have been when the actors. Uh, so what happens with the actors is that like first they don't really get along because he thinks she's 
insipid, I think. Never work and, with children and animals. I've got both. Yeah, post yeah. about her on Instagram. Or maybe it's a joke. It's not really clear, but whatever. And then the director is like, if you could just make her feel like you see her. And he's like, oh, so see her naked? Great. Um, and they sleep together and then they have a conflict and then that gets kind of resolved, whatever. But then near the end, they're both really excited about like getting a lot of followers on Instagram. And they're... Like, kind of in cahoots, like, oh, my God, this is great. Let's do this. Let's go take pictures wearing each other's wardrobes. And I was like, I think <laughs> that was kind of my favorite. <laughs> I don't have a favorite scene because I was forced to watch this film. I'm sorry. I I'm, sorry. I'm very say... uncomfortable. I... <laughs> <laughs> I'm such a fan, and I've just, like, torpedoed the whole show. And... <laughs> But probably my worst scene was the town square celebration at the end. It was the combination of the snow in July that no one was commenting on. The fact that Santa, real fucking Santa was there. I was like, I am not over this. Missy Pyle being like a Christmas spirit has moved me past my one moment of trauma. It was everything that I hated just like culminating. Yeah, I I, I think that's 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 very fair. <laughs> Um, my worst then is the protagonist's complete inability to adjust to her circumstances as a director as a film director yeah because everything always goes right during that right exactly because because she's never had a hard time shooting something before i'm sure (laughs) um never once have they had a budget problem i gotta say fucking great santa like off the line nothing nothing crazy about him but just That's like true. looks perfect. <laughs> no, Get he a little was great. A little bit of extra on his hat, like a little holly thing, but it, like just tells you like I'm uh, not your ordinary mall Santa, you know. He was, he was great. I have to say, you're right. The Netflix Santas are often a little off-brand. I agree. I did not care for especially Lindsay Lohan net, uh, Netflix Santa, but a month ago. Oh, the 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 selling almond, the selling nuts guy. Yes, <laughs> he was selling nuts. The- yeah, he sold a lot of I'm like shocked. roasted chestnuts and shit. Yes, you yeah, 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 yeah. The oh, nuts for yeah. nuts, Santa. Yes, yes. <laughs> nuts who who hey, stole that child's ornament? Alex loves nuts for yeah, nuts. Shout out to nuts for nuts. For nuts. <laughs> I do. I love a candied almond. Um, Especially this time of year, to- by the way. Yes, they're fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. I have to say, knock off James Marsden, though might be cut out for this business yeah totally they're both super cute oh no no i don't mean as actors i mean the character was so excited because he was like turns out movies are more fun than finance that was the funniest (laughs) thing like two days into it on a movie set he's like wow so like playing pretend as an adult kind of fun i get it i'm like no shit like that's why you're like from this uh industry that people notoriously go into for fun versus the industry that you left that people are notoriously right. miserable in. Enron exactly. had its moments, I guess, but this is better. <laughs> but, you know, he's pretty good. As long as someone else takes care of who you are and are not allowed to hire, knock off James Marsden might have a future. <laughs> That's true. I think he might do okay. Um, okay, so let's move on to our POC count. We definitely have Jessica Van, who... Yeah. Whose character was also named Jessica, which I thought was very convenient. Her tortured which, first AD. Which made me feel like she was, like, has have you guys seen her in something else? Like, is she someone? Because that's a move you do when it's like, you know, it's Jerry Seinfeld playing Jerry Seinfeld on Seinfeld, you know? Yeah, I 
uh, you know what? I have never seen her in anything else, but let's see. Sorry, not to she derail the POC account. Is oh, it's fine. known for... I've already nuked the entire podcast, so let's just do that. <laughs> Looks like she was in Paper Girls recently. Oh, she's Missy! That is what IMDb says. The sister. Says. Okay. Oh. Yeah, she was good in that. Okay. All right. Yeah. Interesting. Um, there were a lot of people that I was like, you look like someone else. Like the lead guy looked like James Super Marsden James or Marsden. someone yeah. and a lot of other people. The actor looked like so many other people. Um, The elf and assistant kind of looked like people, but maybe it was just the vibe. Even the actress looked like like um, budget version and slightly younger Jane Krakowski. Like that's totally what they were going for with this it felt like oh she had a jenna sure. quality oh yeah she definitely did have a jenna quality yeah <laughs> um oh i will say that one of my favorite things was when they were like discussing the actors and like i think uh jessica van is like yes they are so talented and i was like are we looking at the same people They're so talented. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> look that kind of disbelief i can suspect sure. yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. There, oh, there was a good know. line. There was one good line at the beginning that I did laugh at before the movie took like a weird turn, which was like, oh, yeah, he managed to like talk an actress around by like flattering her like a big shock. Oh, that, that was cute. It's, it, although but I that, was a little bit like, you're obviously down on this dude. You're, you're quite down on this dude while he's doing your job. Yeah, but yeah, that was the frustrating part where I'm like, he's doing the job right now. You know, like, come on. He's he's coming off the street and uh, he's he's ready to make movies apparently. Oh, yeah. okay. I do have a not favorite line, and it was when the uh, um, the assistant and and Jessica were talking, and they're just like, "Yeah, well, where do you go to school? Princeton, Princeton, like Prince, like so he is like a Christmas oh, prince." I was like, like, "Oh, oh god, yeah, that was a, that was real shoehorned in." Yeah, exactly. I was totally on board with her friendly assistant at the beginning and then at one point she's like can i trade you for a talking dog because she's like i'm your sidekick and you're like by the end of the movie i too wanted to trade her for a talking dog <laughs> yeah she did seem frustrating too she was just too petty too too much <laughs> she she wore on me with her um non-stop plugging of the rom-com formula yes. you know what though it's good that she's working in the industry in la and not new york i'll just say that <laughs> oh Yes, they. you're far too happy. You'd be fired immediately. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we got distracted from our POC count. So, so sorry, have... so sorry, no. so sorry. But I think there's th I think there's basically three. It's uh, it's Jessica Van, it's the AD, and then it's mm -hmm. the assistant? I think Yes, I think, I think it's it. pretty much the three. That, but they are all, like, main characters. Yeah, they all have, like, a large handful of lines. Um, I will say, like, I, think there I wasn't. Just aren't that many characters? Yeah, I wasn't wild at the beginning that it was kind of looking like the uh, Jessica Van, like the woman of color, like needed this white guy to like basically solve like a bunch of these problems that she was like incapable of solving. But then yeah. the movie took that weird, weird turn, and I was like, well, <laughs> everything's out the window. But it was still yes, like you were like I have bigger concerns. But instead of white savior, she needed group therapy to save her. You know, like that's the yes. <laughs> not not yeah, great either. Exactly. I just. It's reassuring, Alex, to hear you say at the beginning that you laughed at something because I was cruising along and then I saw your text and I was like, 
oh no that shit. like what's about to happen to us in the remaining 70 minutes like how did it get so much worse i was like that seems really harsh like it's fine so far yeah i thought so too i'm sorry i'm sorry so... i'm sorry i'm sorry <laughs> I, I was like after I got those messages and as it started to decline, I was like, should we just cut and run? Like, we're really busy right now. Should we just skip December, come back in January, do music and lyrics? But then Matt was like, but Alex has already watched it. So we powered through. Um, what would you rate this film? Oh, fuck. I will say, in the midst of my, like, right after watching it, I was lying in bed, and I was like, <laughs> I think I would go into negative numbers. <laughs> oh, no! Um, okay. But then, but then I was like, you know what? I've seen, like, some really, we saw some, like, really bad ones when we were writing the blog, and we gave those, like, one star, maybe, or, like. Yeah, we don't go into negative numbers, because I think that this would quickly get out of hand. Yeah, yeah. Based on the type of content we consume. Yep. For this podcast. I would give this a one. Yes. Uh... I think I thought originally that I might give it a three, but maybe it's like the good parts are a three. Maybe we balance out at like a two. Yeah, maybe I could go with a two. I could go with a two. Because there were okay parts. You just have forgotten because of that psychological phenomenon where you, all you can think of is the end. That's I would true. say, I, I think we'll just do that all around then. I'm going to go two dogs dressed like elves on a studio lot. Ooh, I was going to go with that one also. Um, but instead, I'll go with two snows in Los Angeles in July. <laughs> uh, two incredibly misleading texts. Yep. Mm. Uh, two group therapy two... sessions. <laughs> <laughs> two vastly, vastly overdrawn budgets. I, you know what? Two Matt... golf cart sleighs, by the way. That was oh, a yeah. whole we didn't even talk bizarre about that. moment, too. Yeah. Yeah. They were trying really hard to do a parallel thing. Look, they made some attempts here, and it just did not pay off. I will say sometimes I we, we've watched one of these, and I'm like, yeah, I would recommend that people watch this if they want to have, like, a good time with their box blind. Don't yeah. watch this. Nah, Don't watch this. it's not this. fun enough. No. What if you watched it on, like, one and a half speed? No, you I still, I You would never understand the assistant. You, like, <laughs> I was just like, you should be, like, a chipmunk. I could never in good conscience, like recommend that anybody watch this movie it's only 90 minutes if you feel like you deserve to be punished that's true <laughs> and with that thank you matt for I'm joining sorry. us you don't have to say thank you we don't have to lie to each other <laughs> like this you can return for music and lyrics Okay, that's nice of you. I, I don't know if I even have the right to, but just like, I was so excited. I made you guys play podcasting with me twice this year. And I was so excited to come here because I really do like when it's Kat's week to edit. I'm just like, okay, so when do you think you're going to be done? Because because I need to know when it's going to be up today. So that, that you know, like it, I. Yeah, he's always like, finish, finish so I can listen to it on my way to work. And I'm like, no one is this year. it'll be tuesday night and she's like i guess i'll edit it in the morning i'm like will you maybe you should do it now you know <laughs> um, so just know um, i am sorry that it was this thing but i'm i'm i was so happy to to come and and thank you for letting me it was uh, it was force my wonderful. way through the door see 
Um, as he just mentioned, we did make an appearance on Lois and Clark, a second appearance that we didn't plug because we didn't have a rom-comathon episode that month. Yes, we did forget. But oh God, Matt, is that true? yeah, yes. If you would like to plug your podcast, which is finished now, right? Which is which is at the ass end, yeah. Um, it's uh, we're coming to the end of season four of four seasons, but uh, Lois and Clark, the new podcast of Superman. If if I I feel like th- there's probably not much carryover for superhero shows to to your fans, but it is it is the rom com of superhero shows. It is called Lois and Clark for a reason, and it's a rewatch podcast um, of the- that show. Podcast episodes are very long, and the show episodes are very hit or miss. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know we were reading from the iTunes reviews right now. We can do that, too. That's fine. No, no, no. I mean, the the episodes of the actual television show, Lois and Clark, is hit or miss. I do not think you would deny that. I have fully enjoyed some episodes. Me, too. Whereas the ones we have appeared on... And, and actually, I think I enjoyed maybe both the ones we appeared. I enjoyed on, both, relatively of them. speaking. Again, yeah. I didn't want to throw you under the bus. Yeah, it was a. <laughs> I will say the two episodes I watched were much better than this movie. A hundred percent. Well, that's what I'm saying. If I was trying to actually do a plug for once, which is that if anyone wants to watch something shorter and less painful, they could watch a 40 minutes Lois Clark episode and then listen to us talk for much longer than yeah. you. Yes, I on the same find... streaming service that brought yeah. you a holiday Christmas or a Hollywood Christmas. <laughs> That's oh, true. God. I found Lois and Clark to be very charming, actually. I'm glad it, it, there's I a really reason enjoy some of the early stuff. that I wanted to to podcast about it. I love the show. Um, it's been a struggle at the end of season four because there's a reason it got canceled, frankly. Um, but but yeah, it's 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 a really fun show. Um, I, hopefully, I've never taken it too seriously in the podcast, and that was fun. And then I've got a new podcast starting up next year about another DC show called uh, the sh- the podcast will be called Always Hold On to DC's Legends of Tomorrow, covering DC's Legends of Tomorrow. So, any of one that. person in this house loves to podcast. Yes. <laughs> And just wants to keep playing podcasts with friends and fiancés. I really like the beginning of Lois and Clark. I will say, Alex, that you have listened to Cure... You have watched curated episodes, whereas I often pass through when he's watching episodes that he doesn't want to watch. And so, like, he'll be like, oh, I got to watch for the podcast. Someone's got amnesia again. Oh, Jesus Christ. And then I pass through. I'm like, who's that? What's happening? He's like, don't ask. Well, you know what, Matt? Um, We would be happy to watch some Legends of Tomorrow. I want to watch the episode where that furry blue thing shows up. So you With Bebo episode? Okay. Bebo becomes like the mascot of the show, so we can make that happen. Great. And thank you, Rumcomathon listeners, and happy holidays. Please, please save yourself from a Hollywood Christmas. Um, and follow us on our social media. Um, and we will be back in January with hopefully a much better film. Thanks. Happy Hanukkah. Thank you to Hannah Oatman, who composed our theme music, and Alexandra Oatman, who painted our logo art. You can follow Alexandra on Twitter at, at Alexandra. Special thanks to Quincy Surasmith for advising us on the art of the podcast. Subscribe to his wonderful podcast, Asian Americana, at wherever you get your podcasts. Want more Romcomathon? You can read past reviews at romcomathon2016.tumblr.com and follow us at romcomathon2016 on Facebook and Twitter and romcomathon on Instagram. We look forward to hearing from you. Please subscribe and rate Romcomathon on iTunes. Thank you.